The one thing that I believe would work everywhere is fighting. Because it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak. We're all human beings and fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it and we like it. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's second edition of The Wokecast with my sister from another mister, G from WoTV. Hey, hey, hey. Now, I'm getting quite uh, into these uh, double-week episodes or, or twice-weekly episodes, I think, because there is so much to talk about. Let's just crack on with the first item. I don't know about you, but there are, as I mentioned, so many in the last episode, so many narratives um, coming out and going in to UFC 244 and I think our man Kairos he had quite a lot to say in terms of you know basically um, the way that people actually treat respect and uh, give props where it's due to fighters I think it's only right that we start off with Kairos's call yeah say roll it let's go Wow, 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 wow. UFC 244 was held together with the strongest Gorilla Glue I've ever seen in my entire life. We thought that Kelvin Gaslam and Darren Till would be off because of the visa issues. We thought that Kelvin wouldn't make weight. We thought that Kelvin wouldn't take a short notice opponent. We didn't have to worry about it because it came to fruition and we got to see some exciting fights that night. We also thought that Nate Diaz wouldn't be able to compete because of his USADA scare. That didn't happen. The fight was amazing. We were excited. It's such a great thing when such a great plan comes to fruition and we get to witness it, which is that entire card. And speaking about great things, I'm gonna indulge you guys on something that's even greater. A person who owns up to when they're wrong with their misguided judgments. Let me indulge you all with a quick story. A couple weeks back, not even, a few months back, Tristan Connolly was delivering Michelle Pereira a direct deposit ass whooping on national television. And after that fight, I stated that fighters like Michelle Pereira who engage in the antics and theatrics inside the octagon are going to get exposed when they have to deal with a grinder who's not going to walk into strikes. Now, that would have been okay if I left it at that, but no, I had to push forward. I made a video and I referenced Corey Anderson's bout with Johnny Walker, saying that, is Corey Anderson that guy to defeat Johnny Walker with his style and who he is? And then I said, no, Johnny Walker is going to splatter Corey Anderson onto the pavement. Now, that is completely out of pocket, disrespectful, and misguided. But you know what? It didn't end there. Someone tags Corey Anderson into the post, and rightfully so, and he said, this is great. We'll roll the dice and revisit this later. Pin this tweet. Now, me, I'm thinking, all right, he's not trying to have me pin this tweet. A, he's just trying to scare me, you know? But I kept it in the back of my mind. I was like, all right, I'm going to be ready for this fight. Hopefully, he proves me wrong. But that wasn't the first original thought that was going through my head. I was like, man, I know I'm right. He's a dead man walking. Corey is dead. Da-da-da-da-da. Et cetera. But that was false. So fast forward a few months. We are here at UFC 244. And right before Corey Anderson goes out to fight, I tweet at him and I say, I know Corey Anderson and I have a bet going on, but I really hope he proves me wrong and defeats Johnny Walker and shocks the world. And as, at, uh, as soon as I posted the tweet, I tagged him in it because previously he told me to make sure I tag him in whatever tweet I utter his name. So I tagged him in that as well. He goes out there and absolutely hits Johnny Walker like he's a heavy bag and sends him into the nether regions. I had never seen something so impressive from that guy and he absolutely deserves it. And after the fight, he engaged in his antics, danced in the middle of the octagon, and everyone wanted to downplay what he did and disrespect him and say what he did was disrespectful. 
Were you guys saying that when Johnny Walker was doing that before, during, and after fights? No. So when Corey Anderson takes the hatred that you guys have been giving him his entire career, manifests it into something beautiful, defeats an opponent in spectacular fashion, you cannot penalize him for it all exploding out like that. This man is having one of the most exciting moments of his life. One of the most, I don't know, rewarding moments of his fighting career, proving everyone who doubted him wrong. And for me or anybody else to discredit this man who feel like we've been overlooked, we're hypocritical for that. We are. We're wrong. These people are not just for our amusement and entertainment or our puppets. These are living, breathing people who have family and friends. And for me to say what I said about him and the way that I did it was absolutely out of pocket, inexcusable, and I'm glad that he shut me up and righted the wrongs that I did. He was put here to teach me and anybody else who, act, who listens to me that it's wrong to do these things. I'm happy that he did it. And in his post-fight interview, it broke me up even further. He was talking about how he was from New York and people were booing him there. And he's just like, I'm one of you. Why are you guys treating me this way? And like, I, you hear me breaking up right now because it's true. How can you not identify with someone who's fighting against the odds? All right, now let's fast forward. After the fight, I shot a video of him. KOing Johnny Walker with my reaction as well as the tweet that I posted earlier about wishing him success and I tagged him in that tweet as well Fast forwards the morning after he hits me at 11 a.m. He said this is all great and all but I want you to repost what you said and pin the video So of course I'm gonna do it because I'm I am not going to allow another person to think that it's okay to discredit these fighters. So I do it, and I oblige him. I send him a video, and I tell him how sorry I am and how amazing he is. And I know that doesn't rectify it. I know it doesn't make it all right. But I just want everyone to understand one thing, and that's just be good and do good to others. That's it. I'm not here to preach a Sunday sermon. It's not even Sunday. I'm just here to say, let's not treat people in a matter in which we wouldn't want someone treating our children, our sister, our daughter, our mother, our father, our brother. That's all I come to say, you guys. Thank you so much. Oh, and you, ugh, I guess we got to talk about that stoppage as well with Nathan Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. I got to just say this. Sure, he's taken a beating over his entire career, but that was when he was younger. He's no longer that age anymore. It's up to him to defend those strikes and not get torn open like this. You have the president watching, whatever your political affiliation is. You don't want someone dying and having permanent damage from this bout for the rest of his life. He said it himself. He was injured going into this bout with his eye. It was opening up, so... That's as much on Nate as it is on the doctor. And for those of you who are tweeting at the doctor, emailing him and harassing him, you all are wrong for that. Thank you so much, Michael and Gina. Have a great day. I hope this reaches as many people as it needs to because we got to stop this as MMA fans. We cannot continue abusing our voice. Have a great day, everyone. Now, you know, it, it was, I think, um, a little bit of, a, of an emotional moment. You could hear, you know, Kairos, he was actually choked at some point or at one point during you know basically his delivery there and I think you know rightly so it's all very well and good for us all I'm also you know guilty of um, being perhaps overly harsh in the rhetoric that we use but that's just the way that I am I don't think you know I'll be changing that um, in the near future no um, I'm the same but I, I could understand yeah I can understand my man you know, he he dialed it wrong. So, really and truly, um, his apology and the way in which he introduced and tagged um, uh, Corey Anderson back into the conversation, I think, was him manning up to the fact that you know, yeah, he, he called it and he got that wrong. Yeah, I think it was um, 
it was a nice wake up call for Kairos because it's kind of like, yeah, we're on MMA Twitter and we're talking, you know, we're talking big shit. But sometimes the person you're talking shit about comes across your tweets and, mm. you know, Corey handled it really well. And he actually kind of almost played along with him. But I would have felt really bad if like a fighter is hurt by my tweets or has to block me because I said something awful. So this was like a wake up call to all of us. But I'd, I'd also like to play mm. devil's advocate here, Mike. The reason yeah. why I like MMA Twitter so much is because it allows me to have discussions with people like you and other fans, not the fighters. Yeah. So I don't really like, mm. I feel bad for Carol's because this could have been a conversation that was just between him and another fan. Nobody had to tag Corey Anderson on that tweet. And I think that's really fucked up. And it's a problem on MMA Twitter. Like fighters have so much on their mind. They don't need to hear from people that don't fight and are just like, adore them and are just fans of them you know speaking of them poorly sometimes like you don't really need to dry snitch on people i mean thank god everything worked out well but i mean Corey could have blocked him Corey could be angry with him and just for the listeners stop tagging fighters and threads it's not cool and and a lot of them don't like it either Mm, sorry you you know what I don't think this dry snitching will stop. It seems to be a trait of Twitter where you have a conversation which is going on and you have these snitches who will basically try and involve the person or persons uh, being talked about, I mean, typically being fighters. And I see that being, you know, one of the traits and it's one of the bad traits that um, Twitter, you know, basically is guilty of. It allows you to actually bring people into a conversation who, A, don't have an interest or B um, wouldn't have known about your personal interest in um, a subject matter related to them. Now, you weren't talking uh, directly to them and you weren't talking directly to them for a reason right. because it was an opinion that you were sharing with the people who either follow you, you or you follow. So the way that I look at it is, yeah, I'm up for the dry snitching too, but I just can't see it ending uh, anytime soon. No, it's unfortunate. Because it's like, Mike, do you want to see every tweet about people that don't like you? Do you want to see every every negative tweet? No. Even though they're out there probably, some someone probably doesn't like your takes or sometimes your push-up videos or whatnot. But do you need to see everybody talking poorly about you? No. Who cares? Same goes for the fighters. They don't need to see all that negativity. But you're right. It'll probably never go away. 100%. So, um... <laughs> I just want to say What's this. Um, first off, there, there is a lot of uh, chatter in the background, as you could probably hear. My son does swimming on a Monday, on a Wednesday, and a Thursday. So I'm actually sat ensconced across the road from where he's actually swimming right now in the local KFC, leeching off their Wi-Fi, but also <laughs> uh, partaking of um, yeah. uh, of, of, of a biscuit um, or two, a right? Yeah. Good. Pieces, well, no, no biscuits, just uh, just double chicken here. But um, just you know, just in case people were wondering what all the commotion no and biscuit. was in the background. But <laughs> oh lord, here we go again. You know, so, you know something. You know something. They don't serve biscuits what? over here. In KFC, you don't get biscuits. Why do I feel like I need? To, I haven't eaten there in centuries. I feel like you do get a biscuit in the states. I'd have to Google this. Nope, no biscuit. Oh lord, one hundred percent. Google it. <laughs> I, I, I was about to say, yeah, I'll, I'll bet you that uh, you won't be able to find anything to do with um, 
biscuits. But you know what? My betting days, I think, are on the shelf for at least a couple of weeks. I picked horribly over the weekend. And my last video, which um, you know featured me doing the push-up challenge, which you more than likely may have seen earlier today when I actually posted that, featured Brad Pickett. It featured Nathaniel Wood. And it also featured... Um, the White Wolf himself, and that is Ashley Grimshaw. Now, joining us also was, um, uh, well, wrestling phenom. I, I, I would like to call him uh, by his proper title, and that is Mike Ekendeo. And they feature heavily in this week's interview. Joining me on this week's episode of The Wocast are well-known fighters, mixed martial artists, starting with Nathaniel Wood. The White Wolf himself, Ashley Grimshaw, and Mike Ekandeo. Joining us shortly as well will be Brad Pickett. We're here ensconced in the Urban King gym. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, what's up, buddy? Good? Hey, what's up? How you doing, Mike? Now, we're here, obviously, for uh, other reasons, but I want to start off with, you know, the reasons why you are all still in mixed martial arts. I'll tell you what's prompted this question. Um, over the weekend, we all stood behind... Uh, Darren Till, as he uh, made his valiant effort at UFC 244. Well, I say some of us stood behind him. Obviously, from the video that's just gone out, you will know that uh, I was probably the only dissenting Brit that... Um, I had money on him to win, actually. Yeah, I had 50 quid on him and Mazadal. Nice. Nice. Yeah, easy money. But one of the things which he said was quite telling, and um, I think it was quite revealing. He said in the lead-up to that fight... Um, he was looking for a way out. He was scared. Now, a lot of forum chatter does centre around this word scared. You basically haven't got the cojones to fight this, that and the third. Now, when you heard that, you see, that this is where this question has actually been uh, motivated and prompted by. When you heard that, did that actually resonate with you? Because of all the times I've been interviewing fighters in the last 10 years, I've never heard anybody candidly say you know he was actively looking for a way out and that he was scared to fight an opponent an opponent um me myself i've never been scared and that's me being 100 percent honest um i'm never scared of the opponent you know i'm always scared of losing but you, it doesn't really matter you can lose to anyone i guess in the ufc so you know i can only tell you from my perspective and you know i've, I've never been scared I'm more, I'm more scared of cutting weight to be honest now in terms of when you say there that you weren't scared, is that because your mind is fortified by a mind coach or is this something that's inbuilt in you, Nathaniel? Um, I think it's just the way you look at life, you know. There's, because to me, I think there's, there's kids out there that have got cancer and they're dying on a deathbed and I'm getting in an MMA cage doing what I love to do for a living. Why, why should I be scared? You know, if, I, if I'm scared of it, why am I doing it? I used to be building and doing roofing and, you know, I'd rather be doing that if I was scared to fight in the cage. Um, you know, as I say, I do get a sense of fear of losing. You know, I don't want to lose. I want to get double pay. I want to get more money. But when there's so much going on in the world, why, what have I got to be scared about? If the worst that can happen is I get knocked out. I wake back up five minutes later. You know? I want to open this out wider to two veterans who've actually been in the cage and in, in the cage um, for quite a while. I want to start with you, Brad. I mean, over the years... You've obviously faced a manner of adversity, uh, both inside and outside of the cage. Did Till's um, voicing his fears, his concern about stepping in the cage, did that have any resonance with you? Is that something that you've ever come across in your many years of fighting? 
A hundred percent. I relate to Till uh, very much. I actually sent him a personal message after the fight, just saying to him, look, congratulations. I know going through what you're doing mentally is a lot harder than physically. That's what people don't get. Fighting is mental, you know, like so mental. Isn't it? Everyone has, you know, Till's a great fighter. So, so is Kelvin Gastelum. But the mental uh, obstacles that Till had to go through, he, you got to think about it. He was, he was at the height of the sport. Everyone was talking about it. He was the big dog. And then he suffered back-to-back losses. And props to him. He, he took on a tough fight, you know. Uh, and him saying he, he was scared, I relate to him that. Uh, he wasn't... He, I think he said it as well. He wasn't scared of fighting Gastelum as a Gastelum. He was afraid about being out in the public eye and suffering another loss in front of people. Because where would you go from there, you know? So there was a lot on his line. And I think you saw that within his performance. He was quite cautious as well. He wasn't reckless as he can be sometimes. He was very cautious and he got the job done. So it was a close fight. You know, I, 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 I uh, believe that he did win the fight. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm really happy with him. But for me, it related to me a lot. I, I was, I've been on two losses before in my career, early on in my career, and in my head, actually I remember this, I was actually speaking about today, I fought a guy called Vaughan Lee, uh, I was coming off two losses, uh, I, I lost to Alex Owen, then I went to the LA Coliseum on K1 Dynamite, and I fought Hideo Takoro, and I got out by by him, so I fought in front of 40,000 people in LA Coliseum, and then I came back, and I was fighting on Cage Rage, Contenders, not even Cage Rage. It was their lower show, and that was the main event against Vaughn Lee. And I remember going into that fight, and I thought, if I lose this fight, I'm done. I'm not going to fight again because, like, obviously, this sport's not for me. Uh, and it was a different mindset. You know, I, uh, thank God I won that fight, and then I, I carried on my thing. But winning, winning, confidence helps you win. And when you win, just sometimes it's your win by whatever means necessary. Uh, and when you have high confidence, you look at someone like. Um, Masvidal now, he's different. He's been around in the game for such a long, long time. What switched up is his mental health and belief. He went to, he, he was getting close to getting the title shot and then he fought Damian Meyer, got beat by Damian Meyer and then he fought um, Wonderboy Thompson and got beat by Wonderboy. And then he was on a two-fight losing skid then and then he took a break away from the sport and he went on the reality show and speaking to him and stuff what he did he cut out all the BS of his life he wasn't allowed a phone when he was on his valley show he had a lot of time to reflect and he just like changed things up like cut all the unnecessary shit around his life and then you see what he's done now he's come back he's charged and like going into uh, against Till beating Till uh, that gives him a lot of confidence and how he's completely starched Ben Askren and now now it's different you see Mental health with, with certain fires it, uh, is very, very important, you know? So for you, Ashley, you've obviously been around the block, been around the block several times. You're a mainstay of UK mixed martial arts, but now venturing out onto the international stage. I mean, this isn't the first rodeo for you in terms of international uh, appearances. When you heard that, I mean, given the journey that you've had and given the stages that you've been on, was there, any, was there a sense of resonance when you actually heard what Till had to say there? Yeah, because I know Till wasn't scared of the fight. Everyone knows that. He was just scared of the outcome. What if I fight and lose? Where do I go? Where do I start? Again, Brad covered most of his points. But also, if I fight and win, where does that put me? It's, it's, too, it's a weird that in itself is a mindset. Some people, being successful can be a pain in the ass as well. 
because then you are in a lot more pressure on yourself, a lot more bigger spotlight. People don't understand that, yeah, you're winning, but everyone expects you to win. Everyone expects you to not make mistakes. No expects you to get knocked out. Losing is like, okay, I took a loss. That's my third. What do I do? <clears throat> Excuse me. But at no point was he scared of fighting. I, I, I know that for a fact. You look at him as a beast. He's not scared to fight anybody. Mike Hakenbero, Mike relatively speaking, no disrespect, but the gathered uh, faces here, you're relatively new. And one of the things which I wanted to ask you specifically about what Darren said was the way in which he could actually get out of the fight. He basically put it, well, made it public by saying he was looking to fake an injury. When you hear something like that, um, how does that, as somebody who's actually coming up through the ranks, as somebody who's actually relatively new in terms of um, the faces, I say, gathered here, how does that actually make you feel? And is that something that you've ever contemplated in your own career? Me personally, no, not one bit. I know what I've signed up for and I know the hours I put in. So I'm just going, I'm going for it. So tr I'm tr doing all the training I can do in order to show up in the cage and get get the win so faking an injury and um, f uh, getting getting out isn't isn't an option I, I'm chasing I know I'm chasing I'm chasing greatness and I'm not gonna take a back step or not gonna um, slow down that process in being great so I'm just one one track minded on it and just on you know kind of fortifying your ability to do well and do well in the cage I understand that you've got a nice little hookup now, guys, with uh, Mudo, right? First of all, just tell me about Mudo. What exactly is Mudo? Because in mixed martial arts, um, it's not a name that I have to say that I've come across before. So Mudo is a, uh, it's a DNA sampling test um, that we, we got on board with a, a while ago. And basically, what you do is you, you spit in a cup, really. Um, you send it off to the lab, and, and using, using that, they can tell everything you need to know about your body, your DNA. You know, everyone's different. Everyone's got different things that are going on in their body. So, you know, what works for someone else may not work for me. From doing that, I was able to find out everything that my body needs, you know, anything that I'm lacking in, you know, things that I'm sensitive to. Um, it's helped with my rest, my recovery. And to be honest, it was the recovery that was the biggest one for me um, because a lot of the time in my fight camps, I was getting ill. You know, when I get overtrained, I get a bit of a cold, a bit of a flu, them sort of things. And since going on with Moodoo, I now know all the, the vitamins, minerals, you know, even supplements. I was taking supplements that really were doing nothing. Um... So since doing the test, you know, I'm saving money on, uh, on my supplements, that's for sure. Um, and yeah, you know, I'd r highly recommend it to any athlete. You know, I think it is well worth investing in. But f if you're a normal person and, you, and you're interested in your health, I also recommend it. Um, and if people just don't give a shit about their health, then don't bother. Just finally, just before we wrap up, I think it'd be rather remiss of me not to kind of ask each of you what you're up to in terms of um, your personal journeys, your fight journeys, or even um, what you're doing outside of the cage in the next few months. For you, um, Ash, we've obviously seen you come off a loss recently, but you know, for what I've heard, because I didn't actually see the fight, for what I've, I've heard, uh, it was a spirited performance. When are you actually looking to get back into the cage and, uh, you know, First of all, just reflection on the loss. I mean, I ask this question many a time of people who are actually coming off a loss. Do you feel that you've any, anything that you've gained from that loss in terms of lessons? 
yeah, a bunch. I learned quite a lot that I'm a tough motherfucker. <laughs> and I still have a chin at 37, so I'll take that all day. But, um, yeah, I, do you know what? Before the fight, I knew it was a tough match. I said to all my guys, I actually said to my corner, I said, listen, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm just going to go out there and we're going to fight. There is, the guy's tough, I'm tough, we're just going to throw. And that's it. And that's exactly what I did. Unfortunately, it didn't go my way. But, you know, 400,000 views later on the fight, not too bad, right? You know, Bellator happy, I was happy. And then, yeah, it's, um, I changed a few, th- I'm good. I've obviously changed a few things already for my training. I've, being, being there, seeing how they compete is like, I don't say my first step on the big stage, but it kind of was. All right, I fought abroad many times. But now I see what it's about and I felt it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I like this. I'm ready for this now. So I've got a few new tricks to bring, hopefully, March, April time. And how about for yourself, Mike? Where's the, the journey for Mike Ekendeo? Uh Mike Ekendeo Airlines, he's actually getting That's a free one. flight. That's the one. Um, so I'm fighting November 22nd in the goal, in the goal to O2 Greenwich. So, yeah, I'm fighting against Luca Iovini on Kajora's, um 111. So yeah, that's my next fight, and yeah, he's 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 taking a flight. He's taking a flight. He's the, he's the next passenger. So yeah, um, look to go in there and get back, get myself back in the winning column. And for yourself, Nathaniel, um, I, I hate to break it to you, but a lot of people are actually looking to you to shoulder. Um, well, after Brad has actually exited stage left in terms of. Um, being in the UFC and uh, effectively carrying the London card, they're looking to you really to pick up that mantle. Um, is this something that you're looking to get on come March? Is is the forthcoming uh, visit by the UFC in London something that you're aiming for? Oh, 100%. You know, I will never turn down fighting in my hometown. Um, it's easier, you know, I like to be around my family and friends. You know, post weigh-ins on the last one, I went home, slept in my own bed. I actually went to the harvester and had a good meal. Um, and yeah, you know, I get the train there. I didn't even get the bus. So, you know, for me, it's so much easier fighting in my hometown. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate. So, yeah, you know, 100%. If they're coming back in March, I'd like to be on that. My dream is to be a main event in, at the O2. That would be cool. Um, I've got to, you know, achieve my dream in, in performing in the O2 and getting a win in front of my home crowd. So, you know, if I could get higher up that card and maybe a co-main event or something like that, that would be... Uh, be a dream come true as well I just you know I reckon one more win and I can get that so I'm still waiting for a fight confirmation you know we had some stuff in the talks but unfortunately they're all going running now it would be uh, well not in character of me as you know I always like making trouble I'm always making trouble um, the biggest poster in the business <laughs> <laughs> Brad's hit list how are we coming on with that that hit list. I mean, I noticed there were a few call-outs, but um, it seems to have all gone quiet over there. I mean, is Brad's hit list still a thing? Mate, the hit list is still a thing, but I'm not hearing anything from anyone. Um, the only one I'm probably not that interested in now is uh, Renan Burrell, you know, because he's been beat by the guy that I just beat. So for me, that is a bit of a backward step. Um, plus, I think he's now gone up a weight, uh, featherweight. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if you beat my coach, then I'm, I'm, I'm up for that matchup. Especially with Cheeto Vera. That's one I want. Speaking of your coach, Brad, 
It's been a while, obviously, um, that you've exited stage left and no longer fighting in the UFC. It's been a while that you've kind of, well, stepped away from mixed martial arts in the public arena. But what are you doing behind uh, the scenes? And um, is there a chance that we'll see a triumphant return in some way, shape or form? I know that you kind of like mixed it up ever so slightly with the um, bare knuckle boxing. But is there a chance that we'll see you um, return to mixed martial arts in some way, shape or form in front and centre in the cage? No. I've been, I, I actually had quite a few lucrative offers to, to, to fight. Uh, but like for, for me, like, when I keep, keep saying it, I, I don't, I'm not really, when I got into the sport, I wasn't really driven by money anyway. So for me, me to get out of bed, I need to be motivated. And I, for me, honestly, I accomplished all I can within the sport of mixed martial arts. And I don't think I could do better than what I've done. If I thought I could get better than like what I ha- have already accomplished, I would still be doing it. Um, for me, it was all about going up rankings. I like being number one in Europe, getting into the uh, big show, getting there, get, trying to get top ten, top five. Trying, I, that was my thing. I was always competition-driven. And when you see yourself going down rankings and getting beat by people, that you, you know, mate, I'm better than these guys. And I'm like... Uh, my body can't keep up with what my mind thinks I'm, I'm done you know? so if me it was my time now to pass the torch on to other guys and, and give people my knowledge um, and help guide people through their careers I did have a little stint of bare knuckle boxing the reason I did that uh, is just to offer offered me and it, yeah, again, it wasn't about the money for this either. It did offer me quite good money but it wasn't about the money it was more about yeah again I was a bit motivated to do it because it was something my granddad used to do back in the 1920s. And, and like, I was like, yeah, you know, this is what got me into fighting, really. When uh, my dad used to be, uh, my granddad used to be a bare knuckle boxer. I was like, you know, I'll give that a go. Um, like, he, he never, he wasn't like a violent man. He worked during the day as a roofer. And at night time, he used to do, do a bit of bare knuckle boxing, a bit, a bit of money to put it on the table. So I thought, you know, pay tribute to him. I, I had one fight. Uh... It was two punches. I won one punch, but I didn't get hit, which is everyone knows me. It was weird being in a fight. I'm always, always say I could fight anyone in the world. I could fight the best guy in the world. It'd be a good fight. I could fight a dustman, and I ended up getting into a brawl. So like, I was surprised not getting hit in my bare knuckle boxing match. Felt I got cheated a little bit. I would do another one, but yet again, I have to be a case of, to be hungry. And there was a little bit of talk about me, maybe me fighting Lobov. That's something I, that'll get me out of bed to do. I'll get out of bed to do that. Anyone else, I'll get called out left, right, centre by people. And I'm like, who? Who's this? I'm not, I'm, I didn't do it to prove myself. I've already done that. So for me, yet again, my main focus now is on to my next chapter of my life. And, and that's GBTT, my Great British Top Team. At the moment, I'm still I'm a re- really good, important investor. He, he's my equivalent of Dan Lambert which is uh, Dan Lambert has done massive things for America top team I have a guy called Martin Barrett he, he, he's my Dan Lambert over here now we're just looking we're, we're searching for a, a, a home at the moment I have my team and we're just bouncing around certain gyms using facilities like today we're, we're in Urban Kings as soon as I get my home it'll, it'll flourish our team's doing really well at the moment we have, we have you know, very busy very, very, good, very good team. Very strong knit team, and uh, that's where I'm not really trying to grow the team too much now because we don't really have the facility to grow. Uh, but so he's keeping it tight. Um, but that, that basically that is my main focus. You know, like 
the next chapter of coaching young guys and, and helping guiding them through their careers incredible well thanks guys for joining me it's been incredible hearing about the new things that you're going to be doing and especially you know with Moodoo um, also your perspective on Darren Till and what he said this past weekend I like the fact that you know they all had different takes in terms of how they saw um, Darren Till's um, I think quite heartfelt uh, assertion that you know mate this is a serious business that we're getting ourselves into and sometimes you know rising to the challenge and the expectation does actually take its toll it takes its toll to the extent that sometimes you know you just don't want to go out there and possibly face that L and uh, I like the fact that you know Ashley Grimshaw had a different take Brad Pickett had a different take Mike Ekendeo had a different take and um, Nathaniel Wood, Wood, Wood had a, a different take as well I mean what did you take from that? Um, I liked all the takes because what it what it did was kind of dispel the myth that fighters are actually afraid of another human being. And like I've said several times before, I'm not a fighter. But what common sense tells me that none of these men and women that are martial artists are afraid of another human being that they're going to face in a cage. What they're afraid of is yeah. losing their career and possibly being injured. I could see that too. But... Fighters mm. are not afraid of other fighters. Like, you know, when you go online, no. MMA Twitter again, you'll see people like, oh, he's a bitch. He pulled out because he's scared of so-and-so. Or even the fight we have coming up, yeah. Zabit pulled out because he's scared of Calvin. I've seen some horrendous takes on that. And I love when fighters, we interview fighters like this, and they dispel that. They throw that myth right out the window. Nobody is afraid of another man or woman. But when you take an L, <laughs> but when you take an L in this career, it can it can totally ruin your career. One one loss can send you either back at the bottom or back on the regional circuit. And if your goal is to be the champion, that is the last thing you need. And let's not forget the financials that are involved with this. You know, so a loss is a mm. is a big deal. That's what they're scared of. Not another human being. They're yeah. about to punch in the face, and they've been doing this their whole lives. Come on. I loved it, though. Yeah, me, me and yeah. you both. Like, like I say, I, I like the fact that, you know, they were all being so candid. And, you know, sticking with the themes of L's, um, Fight Night 163, for me, one of the people that I'll be um, keeping my eye firmly on will be Danny Roberts, 16 and 5 at the moment, but you know, he's taken two L's in his last two outings one to Michelle Pereira and the other to Claudio Henrique de Silva. Now, that was a fight where, you know, the way that I looked at it on paper, you'd expect Danny Roberts to go in there and dominate, you'd expect him to actually go in there and basically, you know, well, prove. A lot of the doubters um, who were at the time saying in, in quite a, I think, disparaging way that he didn't deserve to be in the UFC. But, you know, taking a loss to Claudio Henrique de Silva and then subsequently to Michelle Pereira, you know, via a KO flying knee, um, well, and, and, and punches to follow up, you know, makes me, I, I, you know, I want to choose my words carefully here. I, I, I wouldn't say concerned. But I'm going to be, you know, a little bit apprehensive um, in viewing this because it's on paper. When you look at his opponent, Zelim Imadev, um, on paper you'd think that with a record of 16-5, and five, Danny Roberts, this would be plain sailing for him. But, you know, we've seen in the past, especially when you look at, you know, 
records of Russian fighters, I, I'm not sure how accurate they are. I'm not saying in um, Zalim's case that his his record is inaccurate, right. but it doesn't actually uh, speak volumes as to the tenacity and the strength and the prowess of that fighter. They, that um, record, I think, can you know, on the face of it, be deceiving. Refresh me of his record. What's uh, What do you have so far? What is he? Zalim Adiyev is 8-1-0. and zero. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds Doesn't sound too bad of a record. I'm not familiar with him, but you sound pretty nervous about um, Danny facing this guy. Let me check. I just pulled him up. Eight, yeah, same record. Eight. He had a loss to Max yeah, Griffin uh, recently, so he's going to be uh, pushing mm. for a win as well. He lost recently at UFC 236, Holloway versus Poirier. Max Griffin is a yeah. no easy yeah. contest, but he did lose by decision over here, majority decision. Mm. So he's going to be, you know, mm. you know, hot in the pants to kind of get a win as well with a loss on his back, you know, and fighting in Russia. So, yeah, yeah, and and the thing why I'm scared for um, Danny Roberts is because of the fact that, you know, I woke up to the news this morning that Curtis Melander had been cut. I now, know. To me, to me, that was a shocker, given his performances and given the fact that, you know, his last fight, if I remember rightly, that was the last-minute call-up. So he did the UFC a favour, and that was how he was actually rewarded. And just looking at the calibre of Curtis Melander, I just thought that was a little bit harsh. Now, Danny Roberts coming off at uh, the back of two losses... Um, you know, I want to look at this more positively. Mm-hmm. I want to end it more positively and in looking at Danny Roberts and what he's capable of. I'm really, really hoping that he does secure the win this weekend because he surely does deserve to be in the UFC. Yeah, he. When the. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, but I, I can understand why you're nervous because Curtis, um, like you said, Curtis was cut just this morning. And he's only he only has yeah. two losses, and he's an action fighter. There Granted, his ground game could use a little work, Mike, but he's a fun fighter. You mm. put him up against another striker, we're going to have fireworks. So it's kind of strange that they cut him with just two losses. And not just two losses. Um, he's he's a fun fighter, and we're, I'm pretty much entertained by him, and I know a lot of fans are. And then he did them a favor, so... UFC's being pretty harsh here, so I don't blame you for being a little nervous for Danny Roberts with his back against the wall, you know, against the Russian in Moscow. It's going to be tough. There yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. I mean, you know, it, it's um, not that enthralling a card. It's not one which I'm eagerly anticipating. I mean, it's incredible that they, you know, they're stepping into Russia. It's great to see the difference in terms of um, the regions that they're covering. And, you know, Russia being specifically um, interesting because, you know, it, it's, 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 um, it's not a region that they're in often. One of the things which um, is intriguing me, though, is the fact that, you know, Greg Hardy stepped in at such late notice. And given that, you know, he's been bungling his way through. I mean, you know, I, 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 I get the opening where I was saying about, you know, being unduly harsh. But I'm calling it as I see it. I feel up until this point, Greg Hardy has bungled his way into the UFC. Now, he's fighting. Um, I mean, this clash with Alexander Volkov, I don't think he's going to um, end in bungling. I think it's going to end in him looking up at basically <laughs> looking up at the lights oh yeah 
I, 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 de- <laughs> I definitely agree with you. I think, I think Rick is going to be a little bit over his head here. Um, I believe um, Volkov, I've, I'm, you know I messed up names, so I'm going to call him Alexander. I believe Alexander, what, he's got a 30-7 and seven, um, professional record. He's an excellent yeah. striker, and don't sleep on him. He's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu that also was able to defend well against Verdum and beat him. Like, put it this way, um, shout out to Brandon on Twitter. He was the one that reminded me to rewatch. Verdum versus Alexander Volkov. And what I saw was Alexander yeah. Volkov's pristine jiu-jitsu defense, which caused the fight to, you know, to remain standing. And he was able to beat up Verdum mm. on the feet. And we all know that Verdum's hands aren't that bad. Yes, he's a jiu-jitsu specialist, but he can fight as well. Yeah. And Alexander took him apart and beat him up. And then he was able to defend all of his jiu-jitsu. This is Verdum we're talking and about. And speaking of that fight, <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that fight, um, in Greg Hardy's entire career, he threw or he has thrown the sum total of Alexander Volkov's last fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I saw <laughs> that. Yeah, I saw that stat that, and was just like, wow. That, 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 that is going to end very badly for Greg Hardy. Let's just put it Absolutely. that way. This will not be a coming out party for Greg Hardy. If we have to eat crow over Greg Hardy, I'm going to eat crow and then throw it back up and probably eat it again. Like, But real quick, Mike, can you imagine if Volkov mm. loses? Like, How does he go back to his gym? How does he like... Can you imagine being beat by somebody that needs an inhaler, that knees down opponents, someone that is blatantly being like spoon fed by Dana White in the UFC? Can you imagine if Greg Hardy mm. gets lucky and starches him or some shit? Wow. Alexander Volkov will have to renounce his Russian citizenship. <laughs> He'll have to apply for an American visa. He will um, basically um, assume a job as a janitor and uh, start to, well, <laughs> grow dreadlocks. Yeah, there right. is no way. He's he, going to be. No way. No way, no shape, no how is he losing this yeah, fight. No in way. Moscow. He'll be exiled if he loses. But <laughs> I, I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Hopefully he doesn't get exiled. And, and, and I'm just going to put this out there. Believe it or not, I think he submits mm. him. I think the easiest bet is to take that guy to the ground and submit him. Yeah. Really? Hardy's striking prowess is hardly up to much. I, I agree, but I think the easiest way to get that W is by submitting him, and we haven't really seen Hardy on his on his back or anything like that. He doesn't even know the rules like that, you know, like he need his last opponent. Yeah. Why not take him down and confuse him? But, I mean, I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but that's just me because people sleep on Volkov's grappling. Everyone keeps thinking about his striking, but people keep forgetting that he's a really good grappler. So... Why not use what you're really good at it against an opponent that's not expecting it, you know? Mm, mm, so we mm. shall see. Just just so that just so that we can both get over the name of one of the um the, the main event uh, protagonists, I'm gonna attempt. Zabit uh Magomed Sharipov uh clashes Calvin Cater. Now the way that I look at this <laughs> so far, Zabit has been on a roll. He has looked phenomenal in the UFC, and I think that his dominance or his prowess is going to continue. I see this being, you know, a, a, a very classy uh, matchup, I have to say, but I, I do see this being Zabit's, um, well, way of showcasing 
um, what he's made of. I'm going to go with Zabit on this one. However, I think it's going to be a hell of a dogfight because Calvin Katar or Katar, you know me and those last names, Calvin is a phenomenal MMA boxer. And I'm honestly going to say I think he's in my top three. I mean, the way he utilizes those feints, the way he took out Ricardo Lamas, um, it was just pure boxing. And a lot of times you don't see pure boxing in MMA. He's got the angles. He's got the feints. He's got the combinations. And I love it. And he's really good at it. He took apart Shane Burgos, which is quite a feat because Shane Burgos is such a a phenomenal striker as well. And he made it look easy. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. Zabit is well-rounded. If it goes to the, gr- I mean, didn't Zabit pull off some submission we haven't even seen before? Some weird leg lock that I saw it look crazy. He's pulling off submissions on the ground. He's well rounded, decent wrestler, decent takedown defense, and his hands are sharp. I question his cardio, but I don't think it's going to be a problem. And once again, Russians are dangerous in their own backyard. They'll be in Moscow. And here's another thing I think Calvin has to knock him out or submit him because in, in Russia, I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless it's like a 10-8 round, all three rounds, they're not going to give it to Calvin. He's got to fight like a dog here and win. Russia going to decision? Well, I, Zabit? Mm-hmm. No. You're right about Zabit's uh, you know, sharp, fast hands because you know, I think that this is going to be a battle of inches considering that you know, Zabit is coming in at 185.4 centimetres in terms of reach against uh, Calvin's 182.9 centimetres in terms of reach. So I think it's going, to be, it's going to be all about the jab. It's going to be all about, you know, basically the reach is going to be an advantage right. here. I feel it's going to play a factor. Plus age as well. Fact is, even though he looks like you know he should be uh you know uh, well in in terms of uh looks um a lot older than his 28 years he is 28 years of age and you know calvin is coming in at, at 31 Zabit is 28 um, Zabit looks a hot 48 years old oh lord <laughs> wow! You know what? Originally, originally that's where I was going, but I thought I'll do on, it. Man. Come on, man. I'll let's, say let's, it. <laughs> let, let's not get. Let's not go too savage. <laughs> but yeah, My bad's a beat. He does. He does oh, look more like forty-eight yes. than twenty-eight. Yeah, Zabit right. could go for some Botox or a little bit here, or maybe just—I <laughs> don't know—stay out the sun. I don't know how much sun is in Russia, but I did not expect him to be in his late twenties. He's not even thirty. He's a baby. Oh, yeah. Lord. Okay. Go ahead, Zabit. Hard life, obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, bless his, bless his heart. He's a great fighter, mm. so <laughs> well, we shall see what pr- happens on Saturday. But, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I see a lot of people picking Calvin, which I think is interesting, but I'm going with Zabit. I just think he's yeah. more well-rounded. His cardio is going to be an issue, and it'll be, it'll be interesting how mm. Calvin plays into that. And also, what is Zabit going to do with that type of boxing? He's good, too, but Calvin's boxing is, is superb. So I'm looking forward to it, though, Mike. Yeah. Now... I suppose it's time to actually segue into listener questions. What have you got this oh, I've week? I've got a couple of good ones. Um, some of them combined because people, you know, ask uh, similar questions. So I'm going to give a shout out right now to Opie and Dan, a.k.a. Stevie Sack. I don't know what that means, why he named his stack Stevie, but <laughs> we're going to go with it, Dan. So Opie and Dan, a.k.a. Stevie Sack, want to know. Wow. <laughs> 
what's what's next for Stevie, Stevie Sack. Sack? Hold on, pause. Yeah. Pause. Stevie Sack. Sack. Yes. Dan, a.k.a. Anyway, Stevie anyway. Sack. So, Dan and Opie want to know, what's next for Zabit and Hardy if they both win in dramatic fashion? What do you think, Mike? Hmm. Zabit and Hardy. Now, I can't see Greg Hardy winning. I just can't I see I don't it. either. But let's just say, let's just imagine... He does. I would love to see the Black I was just going to say Derek Lewis take on Greg Hardy because you know that will just end in just carnage. Greg Hardy would not actually be walking out of that cage. He'll be stretched off. How about you? I agree. I think um, for Hardy, it should be Derek Lewis. It makes sense because you said if. Hypothetically speaking, Hardy would be winning off of um, in dramatic fashion. Lewis just got past yeah. Ivanov. Probably saying it wrong again, but he just got past Ivanov in 244. So both coming off a win makes sense. Let them both heal up. You know what I mean? Around the same time and let them fight. And I love the background mm. of domestic mm. violence that Har- um, excuse me that um, Lewis has. He has a hatred for it. So you can also... you yeah. can. I don't know if the UFC would exploit that because they seem to be, you know, covering up or or trying to build Hardy. But the hardcore fans know what's up. We all know that Lewis wants to kick his ass because of what he's been through in the past with domestic violence. I love it. And I think for Zabit, I think the UFC needs to give us what the fans want, which is two flashy people go at it. Zabit versus Yair. Yeah. Yair Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. We want that fight. All UFC fans that are familiar with these two people want that fight. Zabit is nothing but a f- he's fireworks, and so is Yair. Let them fight each other. They were supposed to. Yair fell back. He got cut. He came back. The UFC really needs to run that back. That would be great. Would you like to see Yair fight Zabit? That's a pretty yeah. That's a pretty impressive yeah. matchup. Yeah, I, I I can't actually better that. I, I, I'm liking that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Fully they agree. were supposed to fight Fully not agree. too long Loving ago. That. Yeah. They they actually mm. were in um, negotiations and um, Year backed out of it and Dana got mad and cut him for backing out of it. And then Year made Year made yeah. his way back. So I think they should um mm-hmm. I think they should go for it. I think it would be fight of the night potential. Yeah. Right. Fully agree. All right. Next, Next question. question is from Amy Kaplan, MMA journalist, uh, met her during the media scrum, Cool Girl, and she... Okay, she's from Fansided, I she? believe so, yes. Um, she had mm. a question for the Wocast. She said, what, what is okay. the most underrated s- or sleeper fight on the card? And um, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited, I already know. Um, Carl Roberson versus Roman Kapilov. I'm probably saying his last name wrong. And the reason why I'm excited about this fight is because Carl Roberson brings it every time he fights. He fought Glover Teixeira in Brooklyn, and he actually gave him the blues until Glover, you know, went down to the ground and submitted him. But he gave Glover a run for his money in the first round. He's always in exciting fights. And he is facing someone that I believe he's either 8-0 Eight and zero or nine and zero, he's undefeated and making his UFC debut, and he's undefeated. So I'm pretty. I want to see how Carl handles this, 
and I think it's going to be an explosive fight. So I'm going to be looking out for that. So listeners, look out for Carl Roberson versus um, Roman Copylove for his UFC debut. I think it's going to be good. What are you thinking? I've got to admit, I'm well. I, I've got to admit, I'm struggling here. I've got to go back to Danny Roberts yep. and Zalim Imadev only because nobody's talking about it. It's flying under the radar. You could say that qualifies as sleeper. So without a better example, I'm going to go with that only because nobody's actually talking about it. If this on paper should be Danny Roberts' fight. This on paper should be a walk in the park when you look at, you know, the record of Zalim Imadeev. And, you know, I, I really do feel, um, you know, this has more threats than it does opportunities for Danny Roberts, as I mentioned before. And, you know, without a better example to really go with, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of like left with this, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... I, like I said before, I definitely understand why you're so nervous about this because his back is against the wall. But you got to give it up to Danny Roberts and, and other fighters in the UFC like Darren Till that took on Gastelum and then Kevin Lee that took on Gregor. Yeah. You got to yeah. love these guys. They Their back is against the wall. They could be, you know, eliminated and sent back to the regional, regional circuit or and then they take these hard fights and challenge themselves. Like, mm. how tough is that? You know what I mean? So Danny even taking this fight with his back against the wall like this just needs to be commended. And I think it's awesome. But I can't imagine the, the amount of stress fighters are under when, when they're in these type of situations. Like, win or lose, baby, you know? It's just awesome, though. And we have time for one more. 100%. We've we've yeah, kind we've kind of answered this, but I want you, Mike, to go into detail. Like I've already, well, I'll just go into the question, but try to go into more detail. Levi Pound UFC mm-hmm. Moscow wants to know, what are your predictions for Greg Hardy and Volkov? I already said that I think it's going to be Volkov is going to submit him and surprise us. What do you think Volkov is going to do to Greg Hardy? I think it'd be a one-sided beatdown. It's going to be a schooling. It's basically going to be. Volkov taking Hardy to school. I really do feel, in terms of skill matchups, this is so lopsided. Now, the UFC are either saying sink or swim, or, you know, they know something that we don't know. Because all I see right here, written all over this, is a savage beatdown. So that's why I see this. I don't even, you know what, in my mind's eye, I don't see this going past the first round. I think that this is going to be either a KO or a TKO victory. Really? Let me ask you another question yeah. because I'm I'm not seeing this online. I keep I'm in fact when we um are done recording, I'm going to put this um on Twitter and see what responses I get. What do you think Greg Hardy's mm. game plan is? No one is talking about it. Like what is his what is his path for victory? What do you think? I, I think that, you know, he's going to come in um Riding a unicorn, um, and 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 denying that he that didn't know that that was illegal, right? And uh, with an uh, inhaler all, in his pocket. All jokes right. aside, <laughs> it's going to come in with a machete right. and uh, and and deny that he he was told not to. But no, and his I, nebulizer. I I, I, I just right. I, I think what he's going to try and do is to come in and survive. Oh. That that is the only game plan I think that works here for him. I don't see him bringing any threats. I don't see him bringing anything that's going to cause any problems. He's hardly the submission master. I can't think of I can't any either. other tactic than 
to come and survive. Oh, I can't either. That's why I asked you, and that's why when we're done with this mm. recording, I'm going to ask MMA Twitter because, believe it or not, there's some fools out there that are like, I think he's going to win, but it seems like, oh, their game plan is anything can happen in MMA. Oh, um, any, and, you know, puncher's chance. But I find that most of the time when someone has a puncher's chance, they lose. Like, that's, it's not, well, it's not high well, probability. Not only that. Yeah, not only that, when people have a puncher's chance, they have the experience to actually qualify that puncher's chance. He has neither. Right. And it, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he, what was his last knockout in the Contender Series against some, you know, somebody that was a little bit below his level? This is someone... A scrub. Yeah. Let's just call yeah. it what it is. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we switch roles. That's usually my role to be like, ah, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually trying to be nice for once, but I'm now I'm like, yeah, Mike, fucking can. Um, but, but, <laughs> but, but you're right. You're yeah. right. It, it, he fought some cans in the contenders, and there were they were some beautiful knockouts. I remember before I even knew it was him because I don't follow football. I was like, who's yeah. this brute in the contender series? Because I don't I don't watch the contender series. I think it's a game show, so I don't watch it. But then when I found out about his past and stuff, that's when I was like, oh, that's that guy. I don't like him. But I'm not too yeah. impressed, and I don't think he's as athletic as people make him out to be. I think Cyril Gagne is a, is a Gagne or Gain, however you say it. I think he is an athletic. Gagne, I think you're right. I think so, time. too. My yeah. French background is kicking in. Something in, something in me is wants to say Gagne. Um, Cyril Gagne is athletic to me, not Dan um, Greg Hardy. Everyone talks about, oh, yeah. he's so athletic. You're just saying that because he used to play football. You want to talk about an athletic heavyweight, that's Brock Lesnar. That's uh, Cyril Gagne. Yeah. That, those are the people that move like ballerinas, but they're 300 pounds. Not, to me, in yeah. my opinion, yeah. not Greg Hardy. You're just saying that because he used to play football and he's scary looking. Like, be quiet. You I know? hear I hear definitely. I don't know. It's just something I notice on the blogs, and sometimes it triggers me. You know, if he didn't play football, none of y'all would be saying that <laughs> shit, you know? <laughs> Okay, well, that about wraps up this episode of the WOCast. You can join in the conversation either that we started this week, either that we started yesterday. You can find us on Twitter at MikeWoTV and Gina. Or G? That's right. G at WOTV. Yep. You can find me, of course, at G from WOTV. Mike, you keep saying Gina from WOTV. They're not going to find me. It's G. From Wotv, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, Mike. Okay. Until next week. Next As week. always. Oh.